This morning our gospel lesson will come from John's gospel, from John chapter 19, starting with verse 25 through 27. And I invite you to stand as you are able, in body or in spirit, for the reading of our gospel lesson. Meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple who he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, this, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. On Wednesday nights, uh, you know, I mentioned during the announcements that we're not having our Wednesday night live programming this week. But on Wednesday, night, Wednesday nights throughout this semester, uh, we're back to all of our regular uh, activities, uh, Bible study, children's activities, youth activities. And I've been, I've been teaching a Bible study um, here in the sanctuary on Wednesday nights, and we're going through the Ten Commandments. And, and it, it's, we've had really good crowds, and we've had some really great conversation, because I, 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 love, I love teaching Bible study, because Bible study is a little bit longer, we can talk more, like we can have a lot of question and answer, I, very few of you are going to stop me during a sermon and say, preacher, I don't agree with that, that could happen in Bible study, I have had that happen in a sermon before, so you know, it, it does happen, so, but you know, Bible study, we get to really go a little bit more in depth and go go a little bit longer uh, with what we're talking about and more interactive and more more in. I just I just love Bible study. Bible study might be one of my favorite things that I do as a preacher. It's just, it's just so much fun. But we're we're doing the Ten Commandments this semester, and it's been so much fun to look at the Ten Commandments. Um, there's a concept that I really believe about the Ten Commandments is if you take all the Old Testament. Like take Genesis all the way to the prophets. You take all this big concept and then you distill it down when you get down to its core. You can take all the Old Testament and really distill that down to the Ten Commandments. And that pretty much is most of the Old Testament, especially the law. From Exodus to Leviticus, that's the Ten Commandments. But then, if you distill that down even further, to distill the Ten Commandments down... You're left with love of God and love of neighbor. That's what the Ten Commandments are distilled down to. And by the way, that's what Jesus says. Remember, this, this man comes to Jesus and he says, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus says, the first is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then Jesus says, the second is like it, to love, to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So love of God, love of neighbor. And then Jesus says, on this, I love this line, Jesus says, on this hinges the law and the prophets. I, I love the way he says that. So you take this big concept of all the Old Testament and all of his teachings, distill it down to a more simple understanding, the Ten Commandments. Then you distill that down to its core essence, love God, love neighbor. And that's what they are. If you love God, you're going to keep his name holy. If you love God, you're not going to worship idols. If you love God, he alone will be your God. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to kill your neighbor. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to covet your neighbor's possessions. That's, that's really, that's, that's, you just distill it down. That's what you get down to. But then the concept works the other way. So if, how do I love God and love neighbor? Well, the Ten Commandments are a good place to start. You can build it back up. So you can distill it down to its core, but then rebuild it back up to the totality of it. Such a, such a cool concept. The Ten Commandments is really cool. There are ten of them, obviously, thus the name. Uh, the first four deal with our walk with God. 
The last six deal with our walk with neighbor. And it's really interesting that, um, how, how different they are in that, you know, your commandments about God tend to be very wordy. I am the Lord your God. I brought you up out of Egypt. You shall have no other gods before me. A lot of words there. You know, a lot of language there. Thou shalt not kill, four words. You know, so it's like, it's like the, relation, the commandments that deal with humanity and our love for each other tend to be a little bit more simpler to understand than sometimes the, the stuff with God. But I'm saying that because, you know, we, as we talked about in our series, Long Story Short, the purpose ultimately of the law was to form the, the covenantal law, the, the ceremonial law of the Old Testament, was to form the Jewish people as the people through whom Jesus would come. So much of the, of the law has that distinct purpose of making the Jewish people distinct. And they're distinct and they're holy because these are the people through whom which the Messiah will come. That's why so much of the ceremonial law, the purity codes and things like that, they're done away when Jesus comes because the purpose has been fulfilled. The ceremonial purpose of the law has been fulfilled when Jesus comes. Now, the moral purpose has not been. So thus, Jesus still says, love God, love neighbor, the essence of the law. But the ceremonial part, the distinctive part, the eating of foods, things like that, that's done away with because Christ has come. So that was their purpose. And this forms Jesus. Why do we know that it formed Jesus? Because of what we see here in this passage. Jesus on the cross, this, we're in a series right now we're calling Last Words. We're looking at the last sayings of Jesus upon the cross. So there Jesus is on the cross. Cross is a bad way to die, y'all. Of all the ways you can come up with to die, cross is top five. It's a bad way to die. Well, there he is on the cross. What's one of the last things he does before he dies? He honors his mother. The old King James says, behold, that's why this is entitled behold. But he looks down from the cross and he says to Mary, this is your son. He looks at John and says, this is your mother. One of the last things Jesus does before he dies on the cross is he takes care of his mama. So one of the last things he does is he takes care of his mama. Now, it's interesting when we look at this commandment. Honor your father and mother. It's an interesting commandment. One of the things I think is key to understanding this, when you go back and read it and research about it, to honor your father and mother, and, and this is a challenge, y'all, it's not so much about honoring individuals as much as it is about honoring life. The, the, my two hardest sermons to preach every year, without fail, are Mother's Day and Father's Day. They're always my hardest sermons to write and to preach because I don't know your stories. I don't know your stories. Perhaps you had amazing and perfect mothers and fathers. Perhaps your childhood was nothing but bliss. Perhaps it was amazing. But maybe it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know your stories. So sometimes, how do you honor, how do you honor a mother or a father who might not have been a good parent? How do you honor a mother or a father that might have been abusive? Y'all, let's be honest. My biological father killed my mother. Okay? I get it. (laughs) You know? This isn't just some theoretical exercise for me. I understand it. So how do we honor our parents if they were imperfect? 
Well, the rabbis and the teachers would tell us that to honor your mother, mother and father is not so much about the individuals, but it's about honoring life. Because you would not be here without your parents. Without your mother and your father, you would not exist. The Jewish rabbis would say to honor your father and mother is much like to honor God. It is about honoring life. That's why this commandment has a promise that your days will be long in the land that God's going to give you. Because you're honoring not just the individuals who are your mother or your father, but you're honoring life itself. To honor your father and mother is to honor life. So even with imperfect parents, we honor them and respect them. We honor that office of mother and father. Because they're why we exist and they're why we breathe. Our parents and God are what has given us life. So we honor them because of that. To honor your parents is to honor life itself. That's what Jesus is doing here. He's honoring his mother. He's taking care of his mother. As the oldest son, it was his responsibility to take care of his parents. As the oldest son, it was his responsibility to take care of Mary after he was gone. That was his responsibility and he was doing it upon the cross. He took care of her. But there's something interesting here because Jesus had brothers and sisters. Do you remember when he's preaching in Nazareth at one point? They say, your mother and your brothers and your sisters are here. And Jesus replies, who is it that is my mother or my father or my brother or my sister? But it's the one who do the will of my father. Jesus has other family. He has other family. He has James. He has others. He has other family. He's the oldest, but he has other family. So Jesus, in this moment, he does something different. He does something more than just honor his mother. His father, Joseph, had passed by this time. He honored and does more than honor his mother. But Jesus, for us as followers of Christ, is changing the understanding of what it means to be family. He's changing the understanding for what it means to be family. Because as Christians, we are family. We are family. We are part of God's family. That's why the church uses family terms. Brother, our sister, father. We use terms and titles that are family. Because that is what we are. We are family. God has... Blood is thicker than water. No. Water is thicker than blood. Because the water we're talking about is the water of baptism. No longer for us as Christians is family determined by biology alone. But family is determined by the baptism. The baptism is what makes us family. And so now I'm going to do something. I'm going to go from preaching to meddling. Uh, Jay MacArthur is on SPRC. He's actually my liaison. So, like, if you don't like this, just go find Jay after the service, and he'll take, he'll, take, he'll take it right to SPRC. So there he is right back there. Just now, we baptized Kinsey. And you had a response, didn't you? You said something. If you do not intend to keep that promise, I would have rather you have been silent. I would rather you not say anything during the congregational response if you do not intend to love Kinsey as Christ loves you. We are blessed with children. God has given them to us. And they're going to be loud. 
and they're going to run around. They're going to get in your way. They're going to spill things. They are going to even, oh, dare I say this, Lord Jesus, they're going to get stuff on the carpet. I know, I know, I know. Do you mean what you said or do you not? Seriously. If you intend to resent the fact that children are loud and mischievous and cause trouble, then I'd rather you not respond during the congregational part. Because we just made a promise, y'all. Y'all, seriously. We don't have much but our word. You made a promise to love Kinsey. You made a promise to teach her and care for her and pray for her family. And not just her, but every other baptized child in this church. You promised. Seriously. Did you or did you not? Please, for the love of God, keep your word. Keep your promise. Love these kids as your own. Don't get mad at them when they act like kids. Don't get frustrated by it, but love them because they're yours. If we mean what we say, then let's do it. If we don't, let's not promise it, okay? Those are our options. I'd rather you not say anything during that part if you don't mean it. Seriously, I really would. Because then you're not breaking your promise to God. And as your pastor, I don't want you to do that. Water is thicker than blood. Because the water that makes us family is the water of baptism. Jesus changes that. He doesn't, he doesn't say, Mary, hey, go find my little brother and let him take care of you. But he looks at John and says, this one, this one. This follower of mine, he is now your son, and he will take care of you. Because we're family. We're family. And maybe it's just me. I'm sure this doesn't affect any of y'all out there. Sometimes family's hard to love. I'm sure all of your families are perfect, and there's never any conflict. Sometimes family's hard to love. Sometimes you don't even like them. You know, sometimes you're stuck with them because they're family. But you know what you do? You love them anyway. You know why? Because they're family. We're not always going to agree in the church, y'all. We're going to have conflict. We're going to have disagreements. We're going to have things. There's going to be folks in this church you don't like. There are. There's many folks you disagree with. Folks you think that are just plain out wrong and that need Jesus. They may. But we're family, y'all. We've got to stick together. And we've got to love each other. We've got to love each other, even in our conflict and even in our disagreements, and even when we might not see a verse the same way or might not like the same style of music or worship or whatever, whatever. Families don't always agree with each other, but families always love each other. And I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been born by the Spirit, washed 
by the blood, join heirs with Jesus as we travel this side. I am glad I'm a part of the family of God. Jesus changes what it means here, y'all. And he's given us this gift of church and given us this gift of family. You're not a widow. You're not an orphan. You're not a widower. You've got a family. Family says church. We have to love each other in the midst of it. God has given us so very much. And no longer as brothers and sisters in Christ is our family defined by, by, by biology. But our family's defined by baptism. That's why this is in the middle of the aisle, y'all. This isn't just here to get in your way, to irritate you. This font is right here to remind you every Sunday of our family and of our marking and of who we are. You are a child of God if you're his. And we are his family. But not just us, but all who believe upon Christ are his family. Honor your father and mother. Behold your son. Let's thank God for life and live out life fully each day. But let's live out together what it means to be part of the family of God, saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm so glad I'm part of his family. And I'm glad you're in it with me as well. Let's pray.